Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I am so stoked that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. My friend, there is a seat here for you at the table, and I so hope that you choose to be a part of this community. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host Paige and I hope that you are having a great day so far wherever and whenever you are listening to this episode. I'm sitting here recording this intro on a nice rainy day in the car and my girls are in the back seat so they may make an appearance in the first few minutes of the show. But if you guys missed it, last week I had part one of a conversation with my friend Michelle Garrels. And man, you guys, this conversation is just so good. And I'm so excited because right from the get go of today's second half of that, you're just going to hear so much wisdom and encouragement about what it looks like to be obedient to the Lord, as well as some fun and really like a cool perspective on interior design and just how the Lord sees us, like as wives and moms and homemakers and women who love beauty and creating things and how he wants to be a part of that. And Michelle just offers such a unique perspective that I have loved listening to several times over and just absorbing. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about her upbringing in Peru and what it looks like to create an intentional family culture as parents. So this episode is packed full of so much goodness. But before we jump in, I want to take a second to ask you guys to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If it would be possible for you guys to leave a review, I would love to have 100 ratings and reviews by May. So right now it's like the beginning of April. I know that's kind of a lofty goal, but right now we have like 37 reviews. So if you would feel so inclined, that would be so helpful for me so we can help other like-minded women find the show and just kind of Maybe share a bit about what you've learned or what has been helpful. That feedback is just so meaningful to me and really helps, again, other like-minded women find us and get a gist kind of for the community. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that and for considering that. Also, if you want to support the show and the time and resources that it costs to produce the show, you can visit pageguidel.com slash podcast and donate. Your consideration and donations just truly mean so much to me and makes this a feasible project to take on while I'm raising my children and kind of walking out my journey as a stay-at-home mom and with the Lord and a wife. So thank you guys so much for listening to this little intro and let's go ahead and dive into the second half of my conversation with Michelle. So you are on a farm now. Again, you're homeschooling your kids. Um, But I also just know that you're super creative and you've talked about like these different crafts that you love doing. And I would just love to know, I use the word balance. I know that, you know, balance is kind of non-existent, but how do you balance making just a beautiful home and creating while also like caring for your children and your husband and being present with your family? I think that over the years, it's taken a while to like really realize that like my family 
is my vocation. And I just feel like earlier on, I, I see, I see myself and I look back just really kind of like fighting against that a little bit, like wanting to be a mother, but also really wanting to pursue these other things. And sometimes in a full-time way. And I, not that I ever really saw myself as a career woman, but like, I like really wanted to get back into development work or for a while, I really wanted to start this clothing company and, um, ended up like taking a class to learn all about like, um, uh, starting a fat, doing like a fashion startup and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I just think God has put like such a check in my spirit. Like every time something that I really enjoy doing, um, maybe something that's a hobby or something that could become more than a hobby. Like um, if it, if I become too ambitious about it, he's kind of put like a governor on it. So I feel like, you know, he's never going to give us two callings that are in competition with one another. So I always have to go back to like what my primary calling is and it's family. And so um, it's hard sometimes because there are all these other things I'd like to spend my time doing, um, at times. And I think that I've had to number one, acknowledge I'm an introvert, but, uh, choose to invite my kids into some of those things with me rather than seek to pull away and have more time away from them to pursue them on my own. I've had to just be like, okay, I want a garden. So kids come along, <laughs> come yeah. along. And again, we've, and we've been able to do that, like through homeschooling um, and even just like flower arranging, because a lot of my kids think that's really fun. So we can kind of do that together. Um, but I also feel like there's a real trust involved in like, if God has primarily called me to family and, you know, loving like interior design or a beautiful home or using some of my creative giftings or whatever, if those are all part of serving my family but I really have to trust that he'll make way for those if I put my family first I find that in that like act of faith and obedience of putting them first he helps me find time to do those other things and I'll end up like if I really just like it's quiet time I really after like nap time it was always like the time that I could just, that was like free time for me too, like free time for the kids. And then Poppy and Willow started asking me to read stories to them every day after quiet time, which meant like I maybe couldn't end up going outside, you know, but I realized that um, if I really, um, if I really give myself to my family and in that time, I just would just like give my full time and attention to them he would help me recover sometimes in my margin to do the things I wanted to because their cup is full. And so they're feeling so satisfied because I'm not trying to pull away from them to do this thing. Like, um, so I think it's like a reward to like the obedience of really putting family first as you find there's like time for those things. Um, if they're really feeling like I'm paying attention to them and, um, they, they know that they're my first priority. So, um, I feel like that's been a real big lesson lately. Um, and then like, I think sometimes I was thinking about just like how um, even like trying to keep like loving, keeping a beautiful home sometimes involves like a lot of like getting inspiration on Pinterest and, you know, seeing what other people are doing. And like, I've just always really loved, like 
I've loved that part of homemaking, like just like decor and furniture and getting just the right things and, and really making um, a home that really reflects like our family. And um, I, I think that I started to actually invite God into that to be my inspiration because I found that sometimes even that gathering inspiration would take a lot of time, you know? Like if you kind of pour yourself into that and just like finding the perfect thing for that space, I would spend all my time like researching or online or, you know, and that's like not a great space for me to live in really. And I found that when I would just like give that to the Lord and say like, I, you know, this desire of mine, you know, that I love that, you know, I love to make a home, but I can't spend my time that way. Can you help me? Like I he brings a lot of inspiration and, um, There was even this time recently when I was just like, had my quiet time in the morning and had like such a wonderful time with the Lord, like, and totally wasn't distracted. Like, I think it's been a real practice, like spiritually to keep myself from being distracted by those kinds of thoughts. Like when I'm like meeting with him in the morning, especially like, um, or even just throughout the day, um, I, there was this time I just remember, like I was trying to figure out the girl's room, but I really kept pushing that thought aside of trying to figure it out. And then at the end of my quiet time, the Lord was like, like, let's, I got some ideas for you. (laughs) And just in one moment was like, okay, um, ivory linen duvets and different colored sheets and Liberty of London pillows. Um, Oh, stop. You're speaking my language. (laughs) Beds, and then I found for 126 each on like three beds in one room because we have all the girls in one room and the furniture and I went to a um, antique store that day and found the perfect dresser two dressers that I needed and like the Lord put that together for me like in that after my quiet time like I just spent my time with him and I'm like I'm not gonna do this now you know that I need to do this I really provide this like beautiful environment for the girls that they feel at home in. And he did it for me. If you think about like God, the father and creation, you think of this, um, the attention that he took to like designing the temple and the the tabernacle and the old Testament pomegranates and embroidery and curtains and all of that. And you think about Jesus going to prepare a place for us. And you think about the spirit of God hovering over the waters in creation. Like they love, placemaking don't they they love placemaking and so I think like to realize like they delight to help us make beautiful places but they don't want us to spend all our time on Pinterest (laughs) our time is more valuable than that so I feel like if you can kind of companion with the Lord and doing those things and like wait on his timing for him to just like download some like ideas and inspiration it's so fun like I just like I've gotten such a kick out of that this last year, like seeing that happen, like when I really trust him and something that's so practical, like, I mean, it really is just, and and it's something I delight in doing, but to be able to companion with him and doing it is really like so fun to see that come together. And it's so much more efficient, which gives me so much more time, you know? So, Oh my goodness. So much goodness there. I love that because I think I have found myself like at odds with myself when it comes to what I would call the like more fun, creative, beautiful side of homemaking. My husband and I joke that like I love homemaking in the sense of, yeah, 
decorating and design and sewing and, you know, the more interior styling. And um, it's taken a long time to get me to enjoy the like dishes and cooking and mopping aspect of homemaking. (laughs) But I love that you have found this way to not only come to like a healthy place with it where it's not consuming your time and your mind, but also like inviting God into that because he does care. And I think we intuitively know that he cares and that he values beauty in the spaces that we live in. But it can be hard when it feels like, okay, what does that look like? Does it mean me being distracted on Pinterest instead of being present with my kids? Of course, that's not what he wants. Does it mean me spending tons and tons of money and going to stores all the time? Of course, that's not what he wants. But that doesn't mean that it like creating a beautiful home and enjoying that is bad. So I just really appreciate how you were able to explain how the Lord has met you and taught you in that. And I also would love to hear kind of more about obedience. I know you kind of mentioned this a little bit, and I feel as though I was really relating to a lot of what you were saying about how really you feel as though God has called you, like your vocation is um, your family. And I think that I never really saw myself as like a career woman either. I knew that like being a wife and a mom and being in my home was what I wanted, but I didn't expect to feel my like creative loves and hobbies and desires to be like so at odds at time with, at times with my family. Um, And even within myself, just seeing this ugly sin of like wanting to justify like I'm home all the time. So I deserve to take this time to make it beautiful or I'm nursing the baby. And so just, I don't know, things that are not of the Lord um, and continuing to try to return to what I feel as though he has for me in the season right now. And man, obedience is just hard. And I know this is something that you shared about a bit. And so I'd love to hear kind of thematically in your life where you feel like um, that has come up for you and how you really come to a place of accepting and maybe even loving obedience. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, I think there are times um, when obedience becomes like delightful because I think it's connected with fellowship, you know? And so I think when I'm in close fellowship with the Lord, it's so natural to obey, you know, because you experience like the joy in his presence and you experience some of the blessing that comes from obedience, like in an extravagant way sometimes, you know, like when you find that like God has asked you to do something and you follow through, and then not only do you have the joy of his presence in the midst of it, but then after you've kind of completed that thing, whatever he's calling you to, um, he gives you some kind of blessing, like yeah. um, just like sometimes something really tangible. Um, I guess I think about even just like things that God has like put our family through recently with like, well, when not, not so recently, but thinking about um, um, like when Josh felt like God was asking him to give away the album, like this was years ago, like 10 years ago. And we thought that like, okay, like we knew like without a doubt, we've been walking with the Lord long enough that we knew like he's really telling us this and he's giving us a choice. 
Like we don't have to do it, but you know, we had this sense like, but if we do it, what an opportunity to come to know him, you know? Um, so there's that just like fellowship that comes in the midst of that obedience. But um, what was so fascinating and has been really pivotal and something we've held on to for so many years is that um, deciding to give away that album for that year, which felt so scary. And we thought we're going to like buy a truck and carry a trailer around the country and do a lot of concerts. And like, how are we going to support ourselves? We'll, we'll do it. But this is going to mean like, we're going to, how are we going to support ourselves? Um, we ended up at the end of that year, realizing that we were totally out of debt. God had enabled us in trusting him to get out of debt and to put a down payment on a house after a year of giving away Joshua's work, you know, and in the year of sabbatical too, it was that same thing. Like we just knew like God was like calling Josh to take this year sabbatical. And not only did he somehow provide for us financially during that time of Josh, Josh not touring or producing any new work, but um, we were able to save a lot during this year. We're like, how is that even possible? But I think those are some of the like fruits of obedience that um, you you get to reap that rich harvest in addition to just his presence in the midst of that, you know? And so it becomes so special that it's like, why wouldn't I obey? But then I think you also realize that um, I think as mature Christians, um, it's, we're not tempted so much to like disobey by like blatantly sinning. I feel like the ways that we're tempted to not obey is really through distraction you know, and so um, I, Josh and I have just realized even this last week, like when we're in fellowship with God, we feel close to him. We feel like we're really keeping track of our storyline with him and his storyline with us. Wow. And we don't want to be distracted. We don't want to go off this path. Like it's so fun just to like be in his presence and be paying attention to our circumstances, looking for what God is speaking to us and what he's wanting us to do, what he's asking of us. Um, and then if we get distracted, if we stop, um, oh, just like, even just like we spend too much time on social media and all of a sudden, like our storyline feels just kind of lost, you know, yeah. like all of a sudden other things feel more important or pressing. So we've realized how pivotal it is to keep track of that storyline, um, to not give way to distraction. And the, the way that we really need to do that, we have to write it down. Like I've just realized, like I'm so forgetful and I forget about the things that God is really speaking to me when I'm really write, keeping track, writing things down, things he's showing me in scripture. Like I'm just, um, I'm constantly keeping track of these things and I'm seeing patterns and I'm seeing what his will for my life is. And that's what I want to keep doing. And I don't want to spend my time doing other things that don't matter, you know? Yes. And so I think that's been just like a really, I think that's been a big lesson for us this year, especially. It's just like that aspect of obedience, being really connected to fellowship and keeping track of his story. So, yeah, I think we were just able to kind of articulate that, like that, like how important it is for us to write things down and, um, and that we're just like, we're not tempted away from obedience um, so much by blatant sin at this point in our lives, but really just distraction. And so it's yes. been a real priority in our lives to like keep from being distracted, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. I 
recently, it's wild. It's been like a month and a half, I think, but it feels like it's been so long. I switched to what's called a light phone. So it's um, basically I can text and call and it does have a GPS, which is helpful, Mm -hmm. but I don't have the internet. I don't have a camera. So I do still have my old iPhone, but it only works on Wi-Fi and we actually don't have Wi-Fi at our house. So we knew that would be a barrier. Like if we switch to these phones and then we could just be distracted still on our smartphones by connecting to Wi-Fi or whatever. And so that's even just not having the internet at our house is like wildly inconvenient, but so it's been interesting to see how one, our capacities have grown. Like, okay, we're no longer blaming our capacities and our exhaustion on the fact that we have young kids. That's true. But if we're like trying to tend to them and like listen to something or look at something at the same time, like that's not loving them well and that's exhausting. Yeah. So that's been interesting. And also just like, I love how you said it's you're like in fellowship with the Lord and that helps you see the story of your life really with him, like in a clearer way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I don't know how much I realized you know, social media was a distraction until now I check it like maybe twice a week, which is so strange. Um, and so wonderful. it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then whenever I do, um, check it at my parents' house or at church or whenever I have, have Wi-Fi, I like get sucked in and then I come back out and I'm like, whoa, I'm back in the real world. Like what just happened? How was, how much time has passed? It's so, it's so wild. And so I really appreciate you drawing that connection um, between obedience and just uh, distraction and how those two can be, can be tied in a lot of ways. Yeah. So um, you kind of alluded to this as well, but you guys just took a sabbatical year. Was that in 2021? Is that right? Yeah, it was from like February um, of 2021 to February 2022. Okay. Um, and it was supposed, you know, it was Josh's sabbatical, but it was kind of, I mean, I in some ways it was just a family sabbatical too. Yeah. Um, we're so just like connected. Um, but um, yeah, it ended up being, I mean, I think it was like the best year of our marriage and it's been so good. Um, we were both kind of sad when it was done. It was just like, and I think he all probably would have expected that he'd be sort of like counting down the days. Like, I can't wait to get back to work. But he was really kind of like, even after a year, almost like not ready in some ways, not to yeah. just in. He kind of had to definitely kind of transition back and, and hold on to the lessons that had been learned during that time, you know? And I think we developed a lot of, um, family rhythms during that time. I think having a kind of like daily rhythm has always been a part of our family, but I think it became even more, more of a lifeline um, the past year and, and more of a, more of a reality because even just like having um, some land to walk on and, um, and some sort of like seasonal or daily activities that we could kind of like um, pivot around, you know, Um, so it was, it was so good. And I think that it was such a good practice in us sort of learning to let go of some things because 
while it's been so wonderful to live on this farm and it has represented so many like just dreams and opportunities, it's also been so many responsibilities and so many things we could do that it was at times kind of paralyzing and overwhelming. Yeah. And so we had to just really put the blinders on and just kind of like, just like look ahead and not be too distracted by all these potential things that like we could be spending our time doing. Like, yeah, learn those things someday, but we had to just let all the fruit trees grow. Like we didn't have time to learn about pruning this year. And so um, it was interesting kind of learning about like the tradition of um, the like a Sabbath year, like every seven years that they still do agriculturally in Israel. And it's called Shemitah, which means, and I'm not an expert at all, but it means um, a year let go. And I think for Josh and I to, to learn that and to be able to put that on the year, a year let go was like really brought a lot of peace into that time because it was okay that we were letting a lot of things go. I think you mm. can learn to, um, sort of celebrate like the Sabbath, um, um, and really just have a day, whether it's Saturday or Sunday or some pastors, it's Monday, like a day that you are dedicated to not working. Like, um, it's, it was really very much like that. There's like a temptation in not working for a whole day, um, that you're going to get behind. And we kind of felt like that with the land, you know? So it's a real act of faith to just be like, you know what? Like, if I don't do these things for this year, once I start again, I'm not going to be having to catch up with like twice the amount of work, you know? So it takes real like faith in the midst of that to not like try to do stuff. As you said, a year let go, I like caught my breath and (laughs) like, wow, I have a lot, a lot of processing to do. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, just like letting, letting things kind of go follow because I think Josh realized that like the, like, like in agriculture, if things have been just so depleted, if you don't let the land rest like for a certain amount of time, which is something that God had commanded his people because the, the land needed restoration and the soil of our souls needs to be restored. And after it's depleted and Josh was definitely feeling like that after um, just being his own kind of boss and manager and producer and mixer and all those things, like so many hats, you know, like he really needed to just like, um, let the soil in his heart be just like renewed, refreshed, recharged. And, um, I think it really, it did, it really did that. Um, so yeah, it's a great year. That's amazing. And I know you guys were also growing flowers. Is that right? Was that kind of one of the first things I guess that you ended up doing? Um, yeah, well, it's interesting. I, um, I mean, I can be like such a big dreamer and I, um, and I can try to do things like too much, too fast. And so we tarped over like a whole, I think maybe a quarter acre. I don't know. And I was in that floret. I don't know if you've heard about floret. Um, oh yes. Yeah. Um, not this past January, but the one before, before we actually moved to the farm. Um, I had taken, or no, it was when we were first here. Yeah, when we first moved here, the first winter here, I took the floret, um, like farmer florist workshop. It's like a six week um, online class. And um, I was planning to grow like a quarter acre of flowers. And so we tarped off the fields. And then when it came time to like, and I started so many seeds. I mean, our whole basement was just like tray after tray after tray of seedlings. 
And I was like, oh my goodness, like, I don't have time to put all these things in the ground. Like, it was just to even get compost spread over one row, like, took so much time and effort. So I feel like the Lord, like, had me kind of let that go and just, like, realize my limitations. Like, again, like, my priority is to my kids. And so if this thing is getting too big too fast, like, I need to, to slow down. We ended up, we had some friends that came and um, had come in the fall and helped us really clear out the hoop house. So there was a hoop house that came with the farm, like a high tunnel. And um, that was all I ended up planting. And um, I just had like 12 rows, like three by, it actually is a lot, but it's like three by 30 okay. um, rows, 12 of them. And I just filled them up with whatever I wanted to plant. And it was only my second year ever growing flowers. I just started growing them like the year before. And um, yeah, it was so fun, but I didn't have a plan. And we ended up just having like an abundance and we were able to just share them with people. And it was so, so fun and brought so much joy. Because I, I think like every part of that process, I love, like I love starting the seeds. I love doing that in winter. Um, and I love seeing the flowers grow, but I had no idea I would love arranging them so much too I'd never done that either and it was just like every part of this is like so fun and so creative um that it's just yeah it's been a real joy and Josh didn't help like a ton and he would he's helped with like manual labor like helped me like lay a lot of compost and yes with his tractor which he loves and but yeah we've been we had so much fun doing it and we're going to continue to grow flowers but I think we're just kind of keeping it at like a fun level like where it's Mm -hmm. just And the kids help me plant seeds and, you know, something that we can kind of do together as a family that we really enjoy. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I appreciate your perspective so much because I relate to just being a dreamer and having these different ideas and my husband's the same way. And it's so easy, I think, for me to also want to like monetize every hobby I have, but that is just not sustainable or enjoyable. You know, it's like, do I really want to sew a bunch of things or knit a bunch of things? I don't, I don't really have the time and the time I do have right now, I want to make things for my home and for my family. And so, yeah, there's that tension there, but I love that you were still able to, to grow flowers for your family and for your community. That's so special. It was fun. I did realize that actually, as you say, to talk about like sewing things for your family, like I realized that was a tension, like over the last year and a half, two years, I've become such a gardener and that's such a new thing. I've hardly sewn for years, you know, like ever since I started doing that, that takes all my time. And I realized that this year, like, okay, like if I'm spending so much of my time outside, um, that I'm not sewing clothes for my girls like who are going to be past the age that they're going to let me sew things for them like I need to cut back on gardening so I can get back into sewing again because there's a limited time and I feel like I'll just pour myself so entirely into one thing sometimes and that was like oh my goodness I just got so obsessed with flowers but I forgot that I have all these other things I love doing and I kind of can get just like, I get tunnel vision. I can kind of only do one thing really hard sometimes. So this year, this summer, my goal is like, keep it small, keep it small, leave time to sew and do some of the embroidery that I enjoy doing too. So yes. Oh, that's so good. And then you're not like doing something because you have to, and it's a chore. You can enjoy it. Yeah. Yep. That's wonderful. Well, I have another question that I wanted to ask, and this is like, 
I guess, kind of spinning it way back, but I know you've talked about Peru growing up there, and I would just love to hear a little bit about that experience and kind of how you feel like um, growing up there has shaped your life, your role now as a wife and a mom and a Jesus follower too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I had such an amazing um, childhood. Um, we were in the Amazon jungle, so I was born there in Peru and uh, lived there till I was 10. Um, my dad was a bush pilot and he like uh, flew the translators out to the tribes. Um, I, it was like a community of 300 missionaries. And so I just grew up feeling so safe, you know, with, um, and just had a lot of so much time outside, never wore shoes until we moved to the States, even went to church barefoot and had homemade clothes and, learned to sew and just like, it was really ideal. Wow. So, um, yeah, I think ways that it formed me, like, I think that's made me really adaptable. Um, and just like an easy befriender because there was kind of like having to grow up in a different culture, but then also coming back to go on furloughs and things like that. Um, I think like a lot of missionary kids or third culture kids become really like, you just have to be, be kind of flexible. You kind of never know what, um, what's going to come like one day to the next. But I think also like I was thinking about just like growing up on support and how that's kind of like um, affected me. Like, I never felt like there was any fear, like, where, you know, where's our next meal going to come from? Like, we were definitely, like, always provided for it. But we didn't necessarily know from one month to the next. Um, yeah. You know, like, how um, it wasn't totally constant. So some days we'd kind of have to clear back and, like, what we ate. And then the next month, maybe we could go out for some nice meals. Or, oh, we got a new television. Like, those kinds of things. So it wasn't really totally predictable. But as I think about it, it's like, gosh, that was such good preparation for being an independent musician's wife because, you know, like even when we first got married and Josh was like doing the church plant and then kind of touring and we're just kind of like piecing things together financially that like um, I was never scared, you know, like I always, it was really easy for me to be very supportive and even supportive of risky decisions, you know, about like moving into music full time and giving that away and taking sabbatical. Like, I kind of think that my missionary upbringing and not having like a constant sense of like what was coming in each month was, I think that's prepared me to just for like a life of adventure (laughs) and, and um, financial faith, you know? And so um, I think that's really been important. And I think just the perspective that it's given me of kind of like the, the broader world um, and having worked in community development and being able to share that love with my kids and, um, missionary biographies and all of these things that then because of my kind of upbringing and passion, like it's been really, really fun to share that with my, with my children as well. Well, yes, it sounds like both of your boys are interested in kind of going that route you said of yeah, being a mission really field. Kind of surprising. Like I, I promise I did not force it on them, <laughs> but I think it's been, yeah, it's just really been natural, the things that our family is drawn to, you know? So, mm. um, it is, it is really fun and it definitely makes my, um, my mom so proud. And, um, yeah, she loves that chef would want to follow in my, in my dad's footsteps. Yeah. Oh, that is so special. Okay. I have one, one last question, um, that I didn't actually write down, but, Uh, I just would love to know kind of how you would describe 
um, if you could, in a few words, your family culture and kind of how you guys have created that. Because it sounds like, you know, both you and Josh are very creative and you guys homeschool and just are so attentive to what the Lord has. Maybe not even how you would describe it, but just what encouragement do you have for someone who um, maybe has young kids and wants to kind of form a, a similar family culture of sorts, but they feel overwhelmed because maybe it's totally different than the culture that they grew up in. I just know that I'm having a lot of these conversations with friends who have babies and it's like, how do you start a family culture if your children are young, but wanting to cast this vision? And so, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense at all, but. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, Let's see. I, you know, I think there have been like family rhythms that have kind of emerged over time that have been really pivotal that have stayed like the, the point where we started kind of having like a Sabbath, we would have like a Friday night Shabbat meal and um, have really intentional conversations and um, tell, we would always tell stories of our lives. They would always ask Josh and I, for kind of our stories from growing up, but you would think that those things would just come out in like day-to-day family living, but they don't necessarily. Mm. Um, And so I think that's been really formative for the kids. And then like grandparents being invited into that and telling their stories um, or missionaries that were coming through that would come on Friday night and share their stories. So I think that's been a really high value um, for us to like have the kids really connected to where they come from. And, um, and other people that they can really learn from learning people's testimonies, you know, I think can really broaden their perspective and hearing from people that have grown up in other places. So I think in some ways that's actually helped form a family culture. Um, mm-hmm. and even having that just like then the rhythm of Sabbath and then what Saturdays look like and, you know, those kinds of things. And then I think just more recently, like within homeschool, um, we just, we kind of like had a motto for the first time. And it's actually been really liberating and really helpful because I can kind of bring things back to that, which I think if you you end up like having like a family mission statement or something, you can kind of check things against that. Like, does this fit into kind of our values or our, our mission statement, you know, as a family, like what we're about? And um, it's discipleship, industry, service. And so for me, that brought so much um clarity in my priorities for my kids and how I was raising them. It gave me a lot of freedom for like spiritual formation, like recognizing that was a priority where I think before I wasn't necessarily entering into like our homeschool day or whatever. But when I decided like, wow, like it's interesting, none of my um, goals, nothing that's like, um, I'm not really seeing a lot of academic goals here. (laughs) I'm seeing that there are other ways that I want to form, you know, I want my children to be formed. And that's really like spiritual formation is like a priority for our whole family, you know? And in some ways, Josh and I feel like we almost live monastically. Like it's that much of a priority for us, but also like our children. And so a lot of times like our family devotions, Josh and I are sharing like what God shared with us, like in our quiet time. And that's a spiritual formation. That's a real priority. Part of our family culture is that that matters to us and worship matters to us. And spending time with the Lord and hearing his voice and learning to hear his voice and sharing testimony of that. That's part of our family culture. That's like a really, I think it's just a, it's what we prioritize in our whole family. And, um, and that's rubbing off on our kids, you know? 
Um, and then industry is like working with our hands. So finding our giftings, um, creative, you know, for the most part at this point, it seems like um, creative giftings that we can really prioritize also in our family. And then how we can use the work of our hands, the things that we've discovered are so fun, the fun things that we love to do with our hands, how we can use those to serve other people, you know, um, over time. And so our kind of like longer goal is to have a farm stand, you know, at some point on the property and that's like a, a point of interaction or intersection with others. But all of those things like um, have really become a lot like what our family is about. And I, you know, I think a lot of it comes through paying attention and, um, to those things that make your family come alive. And I think there's something about naming them helps you prioritize. When you say like this, we can whittle it down to the things that are kind of essential. Yes. To our family, what we're about, um, how this shares the gospel with the world by how we live our lives as if our family and what we prioritize. Mm. I think naming it. I think this last year, maybe even it's been really important to like recognize, oh, these are big themes and these are actually the bigger emphasis, even within homeschool, like, yeah. like over and above <laughs> academic. So that's yeah. amazing. I appreciate you sharing that so much because I think that is also a really helpful way to kind of weigh like commitments or as opportunities come up, like, okay, kind of reverting to your family um, mission statement, like you said, does this fit in line? I have the hardest time saying no to good things. I'm like, I, I promise we can fit it in somehow. And then I'm exhausted and having to uncommit and whatnot. And um, that actually gets me excited. I want to try to talk with my husband about coming up with some sort of statement like this again. We made a list of family values probably a year ago or so. And John and I were talking about them. And I remember I was the one writing it down. And it was so funny because my uh, the first value I wrote down was fun. <laughs> and yeah. That's definitely my um <clears throat> my personality. <laughs> and he was just give gave me the hardest time because I think like purity was like the last one on the list <laughs> amongst some other ones. And so we had to take it down because it was it was funny and also causing some conflict. So we should yeah. resolve revisit this um, yeah. again because I know it's a good thing and I think some time and space has passed. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I think your point about um, weighing things against that to like sort of when you need to say no, because I can like have the fear of miss missing out. And and I mean, I think that's like such a common thing, but I feel like a big lesson in my life with the Lord over the last few years has been to say no. But, you know, it doesn't feel restrictive. Once you get into that habit and it gets easier, you start realizing like, oh, saying no to this means I get to say yes to all these things. Yes. And that becomes, once that becomes, you see kind of like the fruit of that, it's easier and easier to say no and to be able to kind of discern that voice that says, stop, <laughs> like, but you know. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I think it's, I'm in a weird season where that's kind of starting to click a bit more because I do have two kids now. And I think that's just settling in more. Like yeah, I, ha I have two kids, you know, and I, um, because I'm doing things just a bit younger, some of my friends don't have kids or maybe have a newer baby. And so just their capacity and whatnot, they just have more time. And I'm so people oriented and kind of have some of that fear of missing out as well. Um, yeah, it, 
it's not a bad thing and it's okay that sometimes I just can't do all of the the social things. Um, and I think it's been interesting kind of talking to people about community and especially talking to moms who have multiple kids and who their kids are a bit older. I just have been encouraged that, okay, it doesn't mean you never see people, but also, you know, your family is, again, going back to what you said earlier, your main mm-hmm. location. Um, so yes, I appreciate you just kind of sharing what that has looked like for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, actually, it's interesting hearing your perspective to having two young children, because sometimes I put myself in the same camp as other women that are my age and expect that I'm going to have some of the freedoms that I do hmm. or like you. Um, yes. I have to remember, I still have a three-year-old. Like I still have a three-year-old. I still have a baby yes. almost, you know? And so yeah. that definitely puts like a governor and a limit on things. And I think at first, like for a time, um, that felt kind of like sad to me. And now I'm just fully living into it. And mm. like, this is not going to last forever instead of, you know, kind of like waiting for some of those freedoms to open up, just like cherishing it, just cherish it. And like, mm. I'm going to have the rest of my life to do that. And I'm so glad that I've had this, like, so far, like, you know, 10 year span, you know, between my youngest and oldest that I've been able to fully just give myself um, to those just like child rearing years. And mm. um, it's, yeah, see, it's hard when the women your age are in a totally different phase of life. Cause I've, I've definitely experienced that too. There aren't a lot of 45 year olds that still have three year olds. So yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause it's kind of reversed in that sense. Right. Um, and I appreciate you saying too, that like you switched your mindset to like cherishing it. Mm-hmm. I think until pretty recently, I was very determined, which, you know, it's funny saying that because I have no control over my life. And I was so determined that we were going to have our kids very close together and I would like be done by a certain age. And I really liked the idea, honestly, of control and just like, well, I want them all to grow up together and to know each other super well. And I don't want them to be super spaced out. But um, I had a fourth degree tear with my second, my most recent daughter. And so because of that, we're just kind of like going to wait a little bit to just make sure everything is healed and recovered well. And that was like really hard for me at first, as much as that's like more normal spacing, the idea of waiting two full years to like try getting pregnant again was very hard for me. Um, And so I appreciate that's a great like mindset shift that I think I've been moving towards, but you just like articulated what I've been needing and and kind of starting to come to that, like, it's not this limiting thing. Um, and it's not something to be rushed through, like having young kids, you know, it's yeah, a it sweet is, time. Yeah, so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Though it is challenging at times too. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Well, this has been just such a treat to talk with you about so many different things. I'm so, so thankful that you were willing to share your time with us and your wisdom and just some of the stories of things that the Lord has done in your life. Um, and before we like officially wrap up, I have a few questions that I want to ask you that I like to ask every single guest before we end. Mm-hmm. So what are three things that you have been loving lately? They can be totally random. Okay. 
Um, do you want me to describe them or just list them? Oh, yes. We love descriptions. Descriptions. Why? Okay. <laughs> um, red lipstick. Oh, fun. Recently, for the first time, like in my life, I've never wow. worn red lipstick. And then my daughter and I went to um, Grand Rapids for the weekend to celebrate a kind of like coming of age thing. Oh, how fun. We had this, such a great weekend. And we went to Sephora and tried on red lipstick. And I was like a new woman. I just like... Could not even believe it. Like, yes. it was fun. And so, and I didn't buy it. We just like tried it on. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it, we'd like taken pictures. And, um, and I was, I was like, here, I don't know what's happening, but I like, I kind of feel like I found myself. <laughs> anyway, it's called Tango. It's by Ilya. Anyway. That's oh my think. gosh. I just got, I just got Ilya's, um, I don't know if it's a, I guess it's your lipstick, but it's like a moisturizing thing. And I couldn't tell you what color it is, but I'm like, man, my lips, I feel like they just kind of blend into my face right now. I just need something like easy because I don't really wear makeup much with the girls that I just would set myself up for disappointment if I wasn't getting ready. But that's so funny that you said that because I've been loving that too. Yeah. So fun. So um, red lipstick. Um, which interestingly, my daughter is 13 and she does not wear makeup, but every once in a while, she's like, can I borrow that red lipstick? Like we went out for Daddy's birthday for dinner and she wore, we both wore red lipstick and it was so fun. Um, But then let's see, Sandhill Crane Migrations right now. So we have this like 10 acres and I take a walk every morning and um, it's so fun to see the birds coming back. Um, after a long winter, and that is my favorite. And the other day, Poppy came running inside. She's like, "Mom, Mom, your favorite bird is flying overhead, sandhill cranes." So um, that has been wonderful. How old did you say Poppy is? Poppy just turned six. Oh my goodness! I just want to take a second to recognize that she could recognize that bird. I just think that's amazing. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Homeschool life—that's yeah, amazing. She the bird well, so. Um, but I've also definitely pointed it out. Like all the kids know, that's mom's Okay, bird. that's mom's bird, yes. <laughs> oh, it's such a great thing. I do like great blue herons because of herons. Um, oh, and peregrine falcons. I have two bird, bird children. Um, the third thing I would say is um, uh, weekly date nights with Josh. Oh, fun. Just like on the sabbatical, we um, started really like faithfully having like a once a week date. And we actually just stay here. <laughs> We don't go out. <laughs> and it's so wonderful because we um we have like a pole barn that we've converted into a little guest space and we go and we have like a candle at dinner and we have uninterrupted conversation and we get to be together for like three hours and we we really try not to talk about like big decisions or you know anything during that time. It's just just enjoying each other's company and conversation and Karen watches her siblings inside the main house. And it does dinner with them inside. Yeah. And it's like a whole new world. So that's been this last year, faithfully, every Monday night. Wonderful. Still like so, so great. So. Wow. I love that. And is, am I hearing you say that's like something that's been kind of new for you guys? You haven't. In the sabbatical year or since we, I don't know, since we moved to the farm. But um, yeah. So for the last year and a half, we've been doing it every single Monday. And it started up in the cupola. Um, at the top of our house, in wow. a farmhouse that still has a cupola up there that we oh, beautiful. 
up there. Yeah. We had dinner up there, and then we started going over to what we call the bunkhouse. So, mm, so yeah. fun. Yeah. I love that, and I love that you guys are doing it on your property in your home. I think for a lot of parents with young kids, um, I, I've just kind of heard in the church, and I've been talking to some friends about this, how like having a weekly date night is like the go-to marriage advice, and. Well, I think that's so great. We kind of felt for a while like we were failing as a Christian married couple. We're like, we were in California and just moved back to our family a couple months ago. And had no family there and it was COVID. And we were like, we don't know anyone to watch our baby. She's nursing. We like can't afford to go out to eat every, I mean, it, there were just so many factors that we were like, oh no, we're doing this wrong. And so just to, yeah, have dinner at home. I, I love that. It can still be a special and connecting time. Yeah, definitely. That is so good. How can we as a community be praying for you? Um, gosh, I think really just that we could be um, attentive and discerning to what God is doing. Because I think as we kind of pay attention to this storyline like um, that God has for us and for our family, as Josh is kind of getting back into music again, and also has a background preaching. Like there's just um, being attentive to timing, you know, to what God is calling us to. And also always asking like, is this vision for now or for later? You know, um, we would love help in just kind of discerning that, especially for Josh, like moving forward, um, kind of back into like a public sphere and navigating what that sort of, what that looks like with music or with speaking or preaching or writing or whatever forms that communication takes. Um, I think a lot of our kind of uh, conversations with each other and prayers right now are kind of surrounding um, that. And also just what God has for us and our family in this farm, you know? So yeah, absolutely. We will definitely be praying for your family in that way. Thank you so much. And where can people find you? I, I have to say, it's really funny because I follow you on Instagram, but I actually was able to get in contact <laughs> with you through, I emailed um, on Josh's contact form and uh, I don't know if you saw the original email, but I think it said something like, I just want to let you know, I love your music, but this email is actually for your yeah. wife. <laughs> I saw that. I think that email went to Richard. Um for Josh and yes. that, um, he sends any kind of like important emails <laughs> our way and um, so that was yeah that was passed along it was so sweet so fun um, so I am not um, I currently I'm not really blogging but um, I'm on Instagram so L girls but it's spelled out E-L-L-E girls okay yeah <laughs> wonderful you share so many just beautiful relatable things there and it's one of my favorite corners of the internet, as they say. Wonderful. <laughs> thank you so much, Paige. Yes, thank you so much for coming on, Michelle. I loved our conversation today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I am so grateful you decided to join us today, and I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. If you like today's show, I would love to encourage you to share it with a girlfriend. You can also screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories, which will help more like-minded women find our show. 
Speaking of Instagram, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and follow us? Because guys, I promise we're super fun. <laughs> we share content there throughout the week about the show, and it's a great way to connect with fellow listeners and keep up with the guests that you might have heard. We also do fun quarterly giveaways and just share inspiring content. If you're looking for more connection, you can also join our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes of every episode. There are weekly episode discussions, and it's a great way to find friends and listeners who might be in your area. And finally, if you'd like to support us, you can please write a review on iTunes because this will help boost our show so other like-minded women can find it. Your support means so much to me, you guys. Thank you again for being here. So grateful for you. We'll see you next week for another episode.